Welcome to the All Digital AM Podcast. This episode originally aired as a video Hi, on the All Digital AM YouTube today. channel. I'm very excited. My name is Adam Penna. I'm here to continue the conversation in 3D printing and additive manufacturing. And today, I know uh, the world out there has been uh, very uh, complicated for a lot, and we're all going through our individual challenges, but we're getting into the holidays now. And uh, what a great time to start exploring, you know, one of the things in 3D printing that is, is really kind of uh, out there but not talked about enough, and it's the, the, the food side, the culinary arts of 3D printing. And I'm very happy today to have Kyle Von Haslin, the Director of Culinary Technology at Culinary Printworks and also the 3DS Culinary Lab in Los Angeles. And he's coming from Los Angeles today to talk to us. So, Kyle, welcome. Very nice to have you here. Uh, it's awesome to be here, Adam. I'm a big fan of uh, YouTube podcasts and I'm streaming all all evening usually so uh it's fun yeah to be on this side yeah no it's it's been exciting for me thinking about this because i know a lot of you know looking at what's been happening in 3d printing and additive manufacturing uh you know everybody's kind of pushing the envelope forward and and uh when you look at production especially now when you're thinking about you know people's taste buds and also appealing to them in a unique and individual way it's it's very a customizable approach and that's a really big power and benefit from 3d printing but you talk about customization that you could eat and taste wow that's exciting you know and and um, I, I got to give you kudos. Even the website itself, is it looks yummy. It looks like you could eat, eat the Thank website. You. So <laughs> do a very great job marketing and advertising. Yeah, so I know you've been doing this. This has been going on eight years? Yeah, you're right. Maybe closer to 10 because uh, it wow. kind of started while I was in graduate school with, with my wife in architecture school. That's where the we got the 3D printing bug, so to speak, and just really became fascinated by, by all additive manufacturing technology and uh yeah, I've been ra- racing through it ever since that uh, that moment in architecture. Because as an architectural student, you get exposed to a lot of different out of manufacturing, and you can kind of look at Structure. them, and, yeah, and get get what you need out of them for models to kind of show clients that sort of thing. Or you can kind of step into the space and think about how design and out of manufacturing go together, and like think about building better machines to do different things. And so we really became captivated by by that aspect. Yeah, I've seen so many unique designs uh, coming from you know, culinary print works, especially um, when you're looking at you know what's happening with uh, different colors, textures, and shapes. Um, I even saw some prints. I think on the website you have a banana peel. Is that Mar- Marilyn Monroe or someone like that on there? I mean, you have such yeah. wonderful artwork that is incorporated into what's happening. Not only the shape and the design, but then what can go on top of it and the whole look of it and the uh, the aesthetic. So um, yeah. It, it looks so tasty. I'm so glad I ate before this because I, now I can't I can't stop thinking about the awesome food that you do print. So what exactly like the different kinds of food printing out there? Like, can you give us a little bit of a history on how this all evolved? Sure. Yeah, um, that, that's a great question. And kind of just uh, to say where we were kind of when we started, which is like 2011, 2012, 13, which is probably when 3D printing um, was becoming more and more accessible to people and prices of home kind of desktop printers were, were dropping. And I think that made, and the maker space was kind of blowing up. And I think it just put a lot of focus on the technology. So that's when I was in grad school and that kind of illustrates the kind of beginning of my path. And um, uh, my wife, Liz, and I uh, decided to buy an old 3D printer, an antique Z Corp 3D printer, which some of your viewers may know uh, is basically a powder printer and it works by spreading really thin layers of powder and then basically wetting each layer so you alternate alternate dry powder wet dry powder wet and that's a way to build in a lot of architectural or construction settings right you can picture 
printing in cement that way or possibly wood or epoxy and some other material. And what we realized right away is that we could print in sugar and salt. And the reason that we were doing that is was actually kind of um, financial, to be honest. We, it was so expensive to buy materials for production level 3D printers at that time for us as grad students that we wondered, yeah, what kind of a way to cheat here? Can we just use other materials? And um, basically, none of them worked that well. I realized a ton of engineering goes into it. But a bright spot for us was that when we printed in granulated sugar, the it worked right away. You know, it wasn't uh, an A+, plus, but it was above a C probably. And we thought, oh, this is kind of interesting. And especially the photographs that we took of our models just looked gorgeous because the um, granulated sugar was translucent. And something about that really captivated us as artists. And it probably took months, to be honest, because I don't have a culinary background. My wife doesn't either. Um, like, not at all. I'm actually not even kind of a foodie person following. Like, a lot of culture is like uh, American culture, probably British culture, too, follows cooking shows and stuff. But I, I'm just like a world outside that, just out of personal habit. Um, and so um, it took months to kind of realize, well, actually – if we worked on this process, worked on a machine that was like completely food safe, I wonder what it would be like to print essentially frosting and work with chefs in Los Angeles and kind of basically print three printed frosting for wedding cakes for them. Would they like that? And because I was a novice in the culinary space, I actually thought that pastry chefs would see this as food science as kind of like, you know, tech taking over part of their domain. And I was really self-conscious about it. But what really shocked me, um, and it actually continues to surprise me uh, until this day, is that pastry chefs who are at the top of their game are just really experimental people to begin with. They're also artists in their own right, almost. Yeah. Tea. And so they really reminded me of myself in a way, right? We would show up to meetings together to think about what to work on. And we both crack open a little notebook of drawings of ideas that we had that we wanted to work on together, ideas about color, flavor, that sort of thing. And um, pastry chefs have just always given us that response. And it's really like buoyed the company the entire way. Whenever we feel like a little self-conscious or a little worried that it's been taking, you know, a decade to get the technology in front of the audience. We remember that uh, uh, culinary artists uh, really find this captivating mm -hmm. want to work with it. Um, and so that's been important. And um, at that time in 2012, 2013, um, we saw that there were a variety of technologies for 3D printing food. There were some famous publications out of MIT and NASA. And when we looked at those, uh, we were really struck. <laughs> I'll sound conceited almost, but we were really struck by how like rudimentary the 3D prints looked aesthetically. And that was just because we were architecture students. So sure. they were achieving something. They were achieving this really important feat, kind of proving that you could 3D print with food and that it could meet certain requirements or goals for a certain setting. Um, uh, but to us, we thought, uh, if it can only look like kind of okay and maybe not really better than what you, what a pastry chef can do by hand, because obviously they can do incredible work, just meticulous, gorgeous work by yeah. pulling sugar, by creating um, fondant flowers. If we can't make it aesthetically like captivating, then um, there's kind of this whole avenue that seems like it's closed off. And so what we realized is that the um, powder printing Z Corp kind of, um, space 
was a different platform, a different engine that would really give the technology a ton of potential. So um, in that moment, we saw that extruding kind of in FDM uh, was really, really effective. You could work with pace. You could work quickly. And that's really important, I think, in research settings at graduate schools sure. for some chefs are trying to like understand the limits of the technology, what it can do, even in like pharmaceuticals, probably near near that space. All those uh, all those research avenues tended to like pick up FDM and run with it um, because of its accessibility. Uh, and what Liz and I wanted to see was a, a kind of balance where uh, the artistry of it was uh, uh, probably like the the most important aspect, and not and to like not lose that. So we asked ourselves like, what is the technology yeah. can do that? And that was um, powder printing. Um, and, uh, your viewers are probably a little bit familiar with it, but uh, yeah. I'll repeat again that when we're working with powder, right, we are taking in our case, basically a concoction of, um, different granulated and confectioner sugars mixed in the right proportions. So you spread a really, really fine layer. And when you do that, it looks almost exactly like you're printing a gypsum for a moment, right? If you're sure. an engineer stepping into that space, uh, and then over the top of that, uh, instead of printing in monochrome, right, we've, we've got four print heads uh, arrayed above that bed, and they move across, obviously. And we have four channels. One's clear, and that lets us print, like, in white, um, because the constituent powder is white, obviously. Mm. And then we have red, yellow, and blue. And so we can color um, hundreds of thousands. It depends on how you think about how to mix colors, but we can print with maybe up to a million colors um, over the, over every single pixel or voxel on that object. And um, that was just really, really important to us. We thought that chefs would find that valuable. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I would say that that engine has been really important for us because it means that you can do, I think at that moment we demonstrated a number of firsts. First of all, you can print really complex geometry because in a powder bed, you can have overhanging geometry and even parts that interlock. And that's because all that loose dry powder that isn't wet when the layer is printed supports the rest of the printed object. Um, And uh, you can also address color at every layer. Like I said, another great thing you can do is you can print lots of objects simultaneously. So if Mm -hmm. we have an XY plane, that's like about eight by 10 inches, you can kind of array little objects in there, kind of like a cookie sheet Mm -hmm. and print that row of objects and then spread a few layers of powder to separate it from the next row and print another row. So you can print lots of objects simultaneously. Um, Each of those objects can be different in geometry and in color, which is wild. Um, You can have, you know, complex shapes for the first time that are overhanging or interlocked or really highly perforated or um, have some other features that are difficult to achieve. And then the last thing, and the color is one, and then maybe the last is just that we can get really, really nice resolution. Um, mm-hmm. 3D printing is always pursuing like the, the highest level resolution. We don't necessarily look that for that in culinary. It's not really, it's not exactly important to the chef that it's like ultra precise. I think what's really important is that it's just a little bit more precise than what you can do by hand. Mm. So a lot of foods at like a bonbon or a small dessert that's presented to a customer. Um, if you're working by hand, there's only so much resolution you can get down to. 
um, because it's hard to, you know, use the tools that you have or even your fingers to get that last bit of detail, but yeah. the printer can definitely exceed that. So for example, we could print emboss or deboss font at about probably like 10 to 12 point font across the surface there. And that would be really difficult to do by hand. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. So all of those firsts just meant that that technology was really relevant to the culinary space, we feel. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. And I know that you've been uh, dealing a lot with, like you were just talking about, that design to manufacture. But the design side of it, when you're dealing with these artists, because that's really where it comes into play, is these artists that are creating the food want to have their own touch, their own, you know, special flavor and it could be a company that wants it branded a certain way but you're able to kind of achieve things that can't be done by hand with the help of the artist's eye and their talent and what they bring to the table that's a nice pun in there Uh, but yeah it's, it's really interesting to me and that design part of it that you brought up talk about that a little more because i know this is all cloud based so how do you kind of bring along say the the culinary artist who isn't involved with the cad or anything like that on their design what what helps bridge that gap yeah that's a great question and i think that we have to we find that we need to just connect with the um the kind of chief culinary person that's involved in that operation to make sure that we're talking kind of one-on-one with a chef early on about their expectations and it means we need to like learn about a lot about the, the chef, their customer, because our, our chefs all have a customer who they're hoping to appeal to and um, to learn about the event that they're having. So by us knowing kind of theme, where the event is, um, what time of day they're serving, is this going to be dessert? Is it hand passed? Um, is it, is it a wedding? All those different things, um, are really important that helps orient the designers a little bit. And then interviewing the chef about, um, kind of what they would like to see the 3D print, um, a company, uh, at the event. Uh, that's really important too. And then that gives us a ton of information. So I think the way we probably think about it as designers is we need to know the application, um, because we don't just 3D print. Well, really important to say that we don't really 3d print food so much as we 3d print an ingredient um, and then the chef takes that 3d printed ingredient and collaborates so to speak or uh, applies it or assembles it into the rest of the dish so that 3d printed part is just one part of the kind of assembly and construction of the rest of that dish and so we need to know the application is it dessert is it hand pass that sort of thing and what are the flavors, what are the colors and themes? And when we start to talk to the chef about those things and show them other examples, then we're starting to like speak the same language. And I would say that the, the best kinds of uh, projects that we get that we do with pastry chefs, which you get to do quite a bit of, are kind of projects where um, it's, as I said, integrated into a larger dish, but also um, probably it like interrupts the way that you serve or eat the ingredients a tiny bit. Those become really memorable and remarkable. So we've been 3d printing, for example, a lot of like 3d printed cloches, so to speak, which is like a, like a delicate dome that rests on top of a dessert, for example. And that might be, we could 3d print in uh, cocoa or, um, raspberry or even salt or something like that. And if you yeah. crack that, right, it was, first of all, it looks beautiful. 
Yeah. And it might be placed on the minute in front of a guest. And then they have that moment of like observing the dish, which is really special. Mm. It's difficult to know, like even how that was constructed and then it's interactive, so to speak, because they actually like break it um, and integrate it into the dish. And then you have the eating experience. So they kind of um, are interacting with the dish um, in a, a series of moments and that kind of, that tends to be more memorable. More it's part of the experience. Yeah, exactly. Part of the experience. That's yeah, that, that's really cool. It just gets me, my, of course, it gets me hungry right away thinking about yeah. it. But you, but you touched on one of the things that I was curious about, you know, because you said, you know, salts and sugar yeah. and, and that's what you build with. So, you know, and then you talked about a couple of flavors. So like what kind of flavors can you actually influence or where do you see that happening the most? Like what are some of the more common flavors that you actually kind of uh, add to or, or become part of when you're using this technology? There's probably like two classes of flavors, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times when we're printing, just uh, I just mentioned that like a lot of the dishes we do are kind of integrated to other ingredients, but we sometimes print standalone 3D printed parts that we think of as candy because they're just little beautiful ornaments that are candy-like that are meant to be eaten by themselves. And in that case, we use natural or artificial flavors, so to speak, and we kind of mix them into the powder um, and and create that flavor. Mm. Um, And in that sense, those are flavors. But then the way that we deliver any custom flavor for um, lots of the chefs that we work with is that we actually take the dehydrated food that they would like to be incorporated into the 3D print and grind that down or source it maybe from them where it's already like dehydrated and ground into a powder. And then we just mix that into the, the, the powder. And so in that sense, it's important to say that like that imparts flavor, but it's almost a misnomer because what we're printing with is the food, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. In the in the case of cinnamon, we're not 3D printing the flavor of cinnamon. We're 3D printing cinnamon, and so um, that's pretty cool because the technology is really readily accessible to almost any dehydrated food powder, which any chef knows is like actually almost any food can be freeze dried and dehydrated and then ground into a fine powder. Yeah. That all the time in pastry. Like if we think about uh, macarons for a second, and in French. Um, uh, pastry, right? We think of all those beautiful colors that they have with the almond flour. A lot mm. of times they're just titrating in yeah. um, basically any dehydrated food powder. And you can get like really geeky and, and from a culinary standpoint, you think about like, okay, what was the source? So we could get carrots ah, from yeah. farm for, from exa- for example, like a yeah. month in advance dehydrate those grind and put them into the dish oh wow that's really cool deeply related to a time and place that's significant to the customer or the chef and that's all completely available so we can basically 3d print any food using this system Wow. My mouth's watering already thinking about this is, this is good. So how, I mean, uh, that'd be a, I couldn't work there, man. I'd eat it all. I'd eat it all the time. I'd be like, Oh, this is great. Hey, look at this over here. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> get out of here. Um, no, that's awesome. I mean, it's, uh, it's so, and I, I didn't think about that because I was just thinking about sort of the, the, the base ingredients, like you were saying, the sugar and then, and then all the different things that you can, the foods you could dry and use those as the power. Oh my God, it's endless possibilities. And then if you're talking yeah. about multiple, you have multiple print heads, right? So you could actually be combining different 
food ingredients, different flavors, different sweetness, different everything, and come up with a different yeah. palate. Uh, yeah, exactly right. Except we don't put uh, flavors, so to speak, in through the liquid channel. We do it through the dry powder channel. So gotcha. I think of the whole printer a little bit as operating a little bit like a pastry chef because you separate the dry ingredients, separate the wet ingredients, and the printer just mixes them really precisely. Mm. So from a culinary standpoint, we are really in a day-to-day R&D for any given customer, really working with the powder and we will fold um, uh, all, any of the ingredients we were just talking about into that powder, but we can do multiple. So we've got some pumpkin spice, uh, uh, edible 3D prints at Sugar Lab right now, uh, available to in the retail space. And those are, you know, a little bit of salt, a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of nutmeg to kind of conjure that um, pumpkin spice. So it's not a single ingredient, just like you said. Yeah, and and so and knowing all that, I and mean, that's all through the culinary printworks side, correct? Culinaryprintworks.com is where they could find all that. Now, there's the other side of it too, right? There's the sugar lab. Can you explain yeah. the differences between the two and and what's yeah, happening there? Yeah, the, probably the reason that that we're almost speaking together right now in this moment in time is that since I developed the the, the, the kind of concept for the printer worked really diligently with 3D Systems and Brill, which are two other groups. So 3D Systems, large 3D printing uh, manufacturing company, obviously, and software company. And then Brill, which is a large um, pastry um, provider, um, uh, uh, bakery manufacturer. And um, that 3D printer is available now. It's kind of for sale. And the first 3D printers roll off the line any day now, probably. Awesome. And so what we've done in that time period is worked super hard to make sure that this um, basic powder printer concept is NSF certified, highly cleanable, highly reliable, and um, has a pretty big footprint. So we can print in about eight by 10 by eight volume. Oh, wow. Okay. Lots of tiny little parts in there. Maybe a thousand parts simultaneously could be printed overnight, for example probably over an inch an hour. So it's pretty speedy too. And that's all with, you know, printing color in real time. Nice. So that's a really sophisticated technology and it's finally available. And my sort of feeling about the 3d printed world is that for a long time or the 3d printed, um, food space is that it's been very like research based occasionally you see like a 3d printer for chocolate. I mean, these are amazing printers that people are developing really cool business concepts, but they aren't really printing at um, a speed and an efficiency that is relevant to um, a busy pastry chef, right? To somebody running a convention center, to somebody running a restaurant. Um, higher volume production. Right. Which yeah. is really coincident with like a lot of the way that we experience food. Yeah. Um, it's at a pretty big scale from a restaurant to a convention center, to a resort. Um, those are sure. all really big operations. And, they need a machine that's first of all really high, reliable, can do high volume, um, and can do it again and again and again. So that has to be like a great 3D printer, and that's what we've built. <laughs> Isn't that called like a Chef? What was it? The the Chef Jet Pro? I think I saw. Is that correct? It was for a little while. So when 3D Systems was building a technology by itself, it was called Chef Jet or Chef Jet Pro. Okay. And then um, we realized that to get it to market, it was going to take way more um, kind of understanding and expertise from the, the food and beverage and culinary space. And that's why I brought in the partner, Burrell. 
And, ah, okay. Um, and um, for the majority of the project, but even like the remaining, the, the last three, probably four years, and they've just made the technology excellent and really understood the business. And um, they're the sole company that's going to distribute the hard, hardware. So it's no, okay. Braille. 3D culinary studio. And, and how do you spell is Braille? Is it B-R-I-L-L? And so anyhow, now that that 3D printer is available, I think that we will see it kind of enter the market in, all these, in a lot of different places. Um, one of the, the places that your viewership will know is that, of course, on-demand, fact, on-demand manufacturers are kind of often the initial force in a space that kind of brings the technology in, right? Because there's a teeny bit of reluctance when there's a new printer on the market, especially in a completely new space, like just given an analog, like maybe jewelry or something. So in those first days when there's a great jewelry 3D printer, it's probably a little bit expensive, the printer, right? It'll come down over time. But because of that, people are nervous to integrate it into their businesses on day one. So what happens is, of course, on-demand manufacturers pop up. And that's where I step in. So Culinary Printworks is looking to be the premier on-demand manufacturer in the culinary space. Gotcha. And I'm sure that the people that are best in the biz will be able to buy that that 3D printer and put it on the floor in their commercial kitchen and kind of get it going, work in their operations. But I think that I'll take you know larger companies to be able to do that, to have the resources to staff up and use it. But um, for everybody else that's out there or just wants to kind of try it, maybe before they, they invest in the hardware, we're there to support them. And so that's what we do. But because the printer is right, completely new, as I just said, it, it's, it's, it's wild. Like, I'm not sure there is quite such an analogy um, in, any other, in any other field where 3D printing has gone into where, like, it's really at the ground floor. Mm. That's kind of wild, right? There's... Yeah. I think the 3D printing in the medical space is pretty new and innovative, but that's like um, the old guard now compared to to 3D to to 3D food. Um, this is just like the opening months, I think, of how this technology will be influential. So there are a lot of audiences to go out and talk to because it's never quite been done. So the so what we did is we set up the company as kind of two entities that work together. That's culinary printworks, which is basically the professional side. We work with food and beverage directors, pastry chefs, marketing directors often. Um, and they have right um, a schedule that's pretty far out, but it's really important and they, you know, they have minimum like probably a thousand people at that event and it's gotta mm-hmm. go well and um, it's high pressure and we work with those guys to make sure they have something just phenomenal to deliver into that setting. And then the other side is uh, the retail space. And as far as I know, there's basically no 3D printing, 3D printed food in, in the retail space. Um, it's very limited, but we think that we're able to print out volumes to make it really, really possible. So as a first project, what we're doing at Sugar Lab which is sugarlab3d.com. I'm sure we'll like link it on there. Perfect. Yeah. That's just like our online retail store. We're going to have a gorgeous catalog of, um, of products that range from little candies or mints to things you might want to sweeten coffee or cocktails or mm, zero nice. uh, uh, mocktails. Um, also we're going to release pastry line stuff so that you could, as a home chef, if you were like really interested in this, you could uh, make 
we would we will be selling 3D printed pastry shells essentially. Like I, I, some of your listeners might be familiar with, like right if you're at a um, at the pastry window, you might see like a, a chocolate sh- molded shell, and then there might be a mousse or something inside that. Chefs rely on those shells all the time to like right. accomplish a really complex, beautiful dessert. And so 3D printed pastry shells are basically um, a, a completely new uh, concept and they, they could be amazing. I mean, first of all, we can add color, which is really cool flavors. Like I mentioned before, but they could also be more complex. And so that's going to be a really cool space. And we're working with a uh, pastry chef in uh, New York called Melissa Walnock. She's a, uh, professor at the Culinary Institute of America. And she's been taking our pastry shells and like petting uh, mousse and different kinds of cakes and then baking that in an oven and they kind of rise up like a souffle. And then you've got this wow. cool 3D printed shell with a cake inside and you can pick that up and eat it. It's almost as if you replace the paper lining of a um, cupcake with a 3D printed structure. Wow. That, right? Yeah. That rigidity to like let a consumer kind of pick up and hold and manipulate beautiful objects um, cupcake can now be 3d printed and that's really sophisticated because it could be perforated could have baffles inside to hold different ingredients that that you're pipetting in Um, all kinds of things it's going to be really special so yeah that's it we've got the sugar lab side and the culinary print work side for consumers and for professional audience yeah, that's that's great, and I understand that business plan on both sides. That's really nice. And I was thinking, of course, about all the things that I would love to eat, but I had, then all of a sudden this question popped up in my head: Have you ever printed something that was so great you didn't want to eat it? You're like, okay, let's save that, or like, you know, I could imagine. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> it was crazy. Like, um, we just three D printed. Well, I say just, but this summer we three D printed. Um, little tasting kits for our investors and for chefs that had been following the project for some mm-hmm. time, basically a thank you and sent them out. They had six little 3d printed objects, each a different color and different flavor and suggested that, you know, they could drop it in a drink or integrate it into a pastry dish or just eat it as candy mm-hmm. and gave them a little tutorial about how they could use it. And one of the most common things that pastry chefs told us is these are too beautiful to eat. Oh, wow. I bet we're admiring them. It happens all the time, actually. And I definitely take that as a compliment. And I, I know I've experienced the same thing in the pastry world, right? Like when you get macarons, like just having them sort of set out on the table is like, it's so gorgeous to look at that work. And also if we think about pastry fondant flowers that are on a cake, like, Sometimes you're brave enough to go like eat that bit of flour when it's served to you at a wedding, but it's also like so beautiful. You don't necessarily want to. Yeah, no, that's true. That's a, that's so, um, you know, it's, it's a typical thing and and it's a tested like the artistry behind it. You know, it's, yeah. there's so much that goes into making that beautiful design and then you see it printed. The wonderful thing about 3d printing is it's repeatable, you know, so if, yeah. you, if, you, if you got that, it's like, go ahead and eat it. We'll make another one. Yeah. You know? That's, that's great. That's great. So yeah, I know it's, it's, it's been wonderful talking to you about this. There's a lot of great things happening and how, so how has your business been going through this time? I know a lot of people have had to change what has been going on. Yes. How has that been over the, this last, uh, now almost, uh, almost eight months now? It's impacted us. Um, I would say kind of, similarly to to a lot of folks in food and beverage and in, in hospitality 
So um, it's been difficult to see that. I mean, I've been close to a lot of pastry chefs and food and beverage and hospitality workers. And so to see their jobs be at risk and have all that uncertainty has been really, really difficult. I think um, that that probably, you know, caused us to, to evaluate, you know, where is this technology relevant in the, in the light of these environmental factors early on. And I think it probably put a little more pressure on us to go out and make sure we did sugar lab as soon as possible so that consumers can kind of have access to these because even though, um, you know, things have been difficult for everyone for the last eight months to understate things, We've, I think everybody's been kind of seeing that a surprise is that we're still looking for little indulgences and, and ways to kind of interact with people. So I could see that these chocolate pieces would be fun to host really small events or maybe send as a gift to somebody else. Mm. And, and they're just, they're an available, um, immediately kind of deliverable, um, fun kind of diversion and indulgence. And I think that that's important and people are looking for that. I think there has been upticks in like some deliverable foods. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of an interesting space. And then I think on the culinary print work side, we're seeing now pressure for um, virtual events, which is really interesting. We didn't really anticipate that, but uh, there's plenty of hosted events. Probably a lot of viewers are familiar with that, right? You can now get like little, um, kits or something that are sent out to each attendant uh, in advance that might, um, I mean, it ranges from like little gifts that might be t-shirt or like information about the event, but a lot of times they're coming with like little gifts. And so culinary printworks or shared lab can kind of deliver a little experience into there. And we're looking at doing some kind of tutorials at um, virtual kind of food and beverage events where we're a guest at that event. And we also deliver ahead of time that 3d printed ingredient. And we would have like a chef walk through how to prepare that people can do that if they want to, or just kind of follow along. So there's definitely um, opportunities on on both sides. We're just looking for them. And then also working on some long, long long-term things. I would say if people are looking for signs of hope, it's out there and the hospitality yeah. and food and beverage because people are saying, you know, what's a deep 2021 going to look like and how to prepare for that and come back strong. And I'm on call uh, every other day with a group that's thinking about that. So yeah, you know, right at the end of the tunnel, good sign. nice calls to be on when we're uh, yeah. focusing on what it's going to be like to come back. So that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that is nice. It's good to hear. Obviously there's a place for it. I mean, my gosh, yeah. the artistry, the taste. I mean, uh, when you can combine the two, it's uh, it's it's a good deal, and it's so good to see you pushing that forward and seeing all these amazing designs and amazing flavors and different ways of incorporating that into a, a normal you know workflow for a chef that's out there and for also a service to people that can't afford to have their own machines or don't yes. don't yep. trust the technology yet. Sure. Uh, even though you've obviously been proving it for many years, uh, they can go through that service side of it. So both sides are wonderful to see in action. And I can't wait to taste some, so I'm gonna yeah. have to get, get I my head. Need you like a little tasting kit? We should uh, use. Oh, is that what that is? Cool. Well, I just wanted to show you. Yeah, this is yeah. what we got in, in the mail to you. So these are kind of what the tasting kits look like. Wonderful. A lot of times we send samples to our culinary printworks professional yeah. side, um, and then the sugar lab one is just has the sugar lab brand instead, obviously. 
and then you open that up and it yeah. might, might appear backwards to the view. No, that doesn't. That's perfect. Yeah. Okay, cool. Hello yeah. and break the mold. There you go. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. And on the back, we tend to do like um, a little bit of a menu. Design. Kind of yeah. yeah. What's going on. It reminds us of like the fun little uh, key maps that you get in a box of chocolates. Yeah. I like, love it when I was a little kid. It's like a choose your own adventure thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh my that. God, look at those. Yeah, that, it's are, just so you know, beautiful. The 3D prints. And I'm glad you think they're beautiful. I do too. And like, oh. I mean, we think about like a part like this, right? Which wow, look at that. Gold colors might mask actually some of the leaves of this flower, but and actually probably the viewers. Gosh, it's gorgeous. That. And it, and of course it looks so yummy. I just uh, yeah, yeah. I'll take I'll take that. <laughs> That's amazing. You don't have any uh, peanut butter and chocolate in there. That's my weakness, peanut butter and chocolate. Yeah, we, peanut butter. we haven't done much of that. That's a great suggestion actually. I, yeah, I'll be your first customer on that. I love anything peanut butter and chocolate. I can't stop eating it. It is my <laughs> uh my worst enemy sometimes, but I love it. I get so like I I go for the organic stuff and try to fool myself, you know. It's not the uh, <laughs> the big name brand stuff it's the it's the nice organic stuff but uh it's still chocolate and peanut butter buddy <laughs> anyways wow so kyle thank you for being here and uh i know i'm going to put a lot of links to everything we talked about in this conversation but is there anything else you'd like to say while we have you here no uh this has been great thanks for having me on it's good to talk to you and yeah, yeah i'll just keep following the podcast yeah, definitely. Let's keep uh, in touch. Uh, that's that's, impre- that's really impressive. Yes, uh, it, it's amazing that uh, things are progressing this way, and it's wonderful to have guests like you, of course, on the show <laughs> and be able to show some of the different aspects of what's out there. So uh, thank you. Happy to be on again. You know, the next time we do it, we could probably do it like from the commercial kitchen if people want to check out the hardware or something, we can figure out a way to... For sure, for sure, yeah, and definitely have to have some treats on this side. uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that peanut butter and chocolate will be ready by then. (laughs) Well, cool, Kyle. Wonderful to have you here. You have an awesome day, and again, thanks, thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Adam. Thank you for listening to the All Digital Additive Manufacturing Podcast. If you would like to help support and be part of our community, take action and smash subscribe, press follow, comment below, or leave a review. And don't forget to share. Thanks for continuing the conversation. This is Adam Penna signing off. See you next.